Hi, and welcome to On The Mend, a podcast where we explore how people get on the mend and stay on the mend during difficult times. Really, this podcast is just a very intimate conversation I'm having with another person about the mud they've waded through in life and how they've come out the other side. A lot of times it's about love and relationships, sometimes it's about work, sometimes it's about family, sometimes it's about growing up. There are a million ways to break and mend, and we're going to talk about all of them in this podcast. I'm El Huerta, CEO and founder of Mend, which is like a best friend in your pocket during heartbreak. You can join menders in over 170 countries around the world who have completed nearly 2 million training activities by downloading Mend in the App Store. I also co-host another podcast called Love is Like a Plant with my friend Sarah May, which you can check out on SoundCloud or iTunes. That one is all about love and relationships, so if you like this podcast, you'll like that one too. Today, I'm talking with Emmy Award-winning TV host Jackie Fernandez. Jackie's career has taken her all over the country, but she's back to calling LA home and has been transitioning her career over the past few months. Jackie opened up to us about that one heartbreak that truly left her devastated, and she let us in on some of her favorite self-care practices. We knew we had to bring Jackie on the podcast when she left a really honest comment on one of our Instagram posts, which we'll talk about. You can follow Jackie on Instagram at Jackie Fern. This episode of On The Mend is sponsored by Unbound. According to research, there are three ways we can release endorphins, exercise, laughter, and sex. In fact, during climax, your body is flooded with both oxytocin and endorphins. These chemical reactions are your body's natural form of pain relief. The result? A relaxed state of euphoria and better sleep. And as much as we don't like to talk about masturbation, everyone is doing it. In fact, a recent study showed 9 out of 10 women make time to masturbate frequently. Reclaiming your sexuality post-breakup is scientifically proven to be one of the best things you can do for yourself. And our friends over at Unbound are here to help. Use the code ONTHEMEND for 20% off any vibrator, lubricant, or accessory at unboundbabes.com. So I'm really excited about this first question because I've been wondering since I first saw it on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, the way that we found you was really interesting because uh, we had posted something um, where we were prompting people and we asked them to name a lie that your ex told you. (laughs) Oh my God, what did I write? I write so many crazy comments. I'm like, OMG, what is it? (laughs) <laughs> and you commented, oh a lot of people commented. It was a really popular post. It was like one of our most popular ones. Um, you commented, I swear I won't hurt you. Oh. And I thought this was really interesting for like a number of reasons. But, um, and then when I like learned more about you and your backstory, um, I thought it made a lot of sense. Like you are. You're both like very strong, but you're also willing to be vulnerable. Mm, thank you. And I thought that that really came across in that comment. And so I'm curious, like I'd love to discuss what is behind that comment. Like what, was it a specific ex that you were thinking about? Like right. a specific relationship that you had in mind? And like, yeah. Like, okay, what, I cannot lie. I'm backstory? so embarrassed right now. Like I forgot that I had like You know those are that. public, right? Yeah, Instagram comments. They're attached to your your Instagram My handle. name, right? I'm going to like, "Oh, wow. What?" I'm like, "Wow, I forgot I said that." I'm like, "Yes." Um 
<sighs> I think sometimes when you're just commenting late at night, <laughs> like you forget people, it will resonate with folks. I swear I won't hurt you. Wow, that's really intense. Yeah, um, so honest. I know. That is the worst lie. And I feel like a lot of times you go into a relationship thinking that's not going to happen, especially yeah. when you're younger. Yeah. And so that was definitely about my first love. And, you know, Ooh. we were talking about heartbreak earlier, the kind yeah. that is so blindsiding and transformative and so um, just devastating. And physical, right? Physical, like I didn't realize the reactions when I, well, actually when my first love broke up with me. And when he broke up with me, it was the weirdest breakup. It was like at an event that I had planned for six months, he didn't wanna do it, but he was talking, he wasn't, he was being weird that whole week. And we had been dating Mm. for a year, first love. I was, it was my first love and I was like, why have you been so weird? And he goes, let's talk about it later. This is like a big conference that I had planned for six oh. months. I was 21, oh, wow. like fresh 21, so super young. My brain hadn't even fully formed yet, you know? Wow, yeah. And so I'm like, what do you mean talk about it tomorrow? We're talking about it now. Right. And then I force it out of him at my own conference. Oh. Now, like being older, I would have said, Okay, let's talk about it tomorrow. Why don't you right. leave? Like, let's compartmentalize. Right? right. But I was like, no. Yeah. We have to no, talk about course. it. No, of course. You can't like dangle the carrot of like, no well, let's way. talk about it later. Yeah. And so he tells me, he's like, I'm a hundred percent sure you're my soulmate. Like, we're so happy. I'm so content. But what do we do like for the next five years? Like, where is this going? Because I was just about to graduate college. He mm. had graduated a year before. Yeah. So we were both like so in flux and confused. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in New York where I went to school or go back home to L.A. Right. And we ended up breaking up that day like across the street from NYU at Washington Square Park, where I was planning the conference. I did not go to NYU. And so um, it was just so crazy. Like I was one of those people when you're walking down the street of New York who's like just compulsively crying and cannot be consoled. And after that happened, I just didn't expect it. I thought we were going to be forever. And then for someone to say that to you too, like, I'm 100% sure you're my soulmate. Yeah. I thought that was the weirdest thing to say during a breakup. Yeah, it's a very interesting lead-in to saying that you no longer want to be in the relationship. Like, even though, so I imagine that that relationship or that breakup was really difficult for you to process. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Like, this man was used to being friends with his exes. And I was like, I'm never speaking to you ever again. Yeah. And it was just so difficult. Like, we spent... I was out for the, this was like in the middle of the day, and I had planned this big like finale for the conference, like Uh. a performance with this music group, blah, 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 right? I was out because I tried to go back in there and literally someone, everyone noticed I was different, and someone touched my shoulder and said, are you okay? Burst out crying. And so we ended up reconnecting and just spent the whole night kind of being together and I was like, this is so weird. Like, he seems so happy because he thinks we're going to be friends. And I'm just so shocked. I don't know what to do. But now it's yeah. nighttime. And so we, like, were together. And when I woke up, we were on different sides of the bed. And I knew it was over. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. And for the next year, I was a total wreck. I didn't even try to stay in New York. I went back home to L.A. I didn't try to get a job after college. I would wake up in like dripping sweat and shaking. And I was like, what the F is this? Right. And I had to Google it. I'm like, wow, it's like a drug withdrawal. Yeah. Like, exactly. It is. 
it was really yeah, difficult. It's totally physical and it completely changes your neurochemistry and yeah. like your behavior and makes you like more likely to take risks. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, really like it, it totally changes your physiology, which mm-hmm. to me, like when I went through kind of that same breakup that you're describing, like the first one that yeah. really just like shatters you, um, you, yeah, you don't realize how um, just like physical it is. It's really like being sick and you have to like take care of yourself like you're, like you're sick. It's interesting because you um, kind of made a point to mention it when you were describing this relationship that it was your first love, but maybe yeah. not necessarily his first love. Right. And I think that's a really um, important point to underline because a lot of times, and I think a lot of people who are listening can probably relate to this. Maybe they're going through this type of breakup now or they remember that breakup. But the first breakup where you learn that really hard lesson that someone can think that you're soulmates or someone can be in love with you mm-hmm. and still not want to be in a relationship with you. It blew my mind. I didn't understand yeah. it. Right. And I was like, how can this guy think that? I just, and I, as I got older, I was like, oh, I know what he was thinking. Yeah. Like, well, I don't, but I, I'm like, I can understand where it's like, it's too much pressure. Yeah. Can't we just like coexist together? And then when you have figured out your life and I figured out my life, we can be back together. And I wasn't raised that way. Like my yeah. parents went through like 10 years of the most insane times where any yeah. other normal couple would get divorced yeah. and they stay together. So I'm like, no, I picked you. Like we're ride or die, right? right. And it's like, yeah. no, no, this boy is like an only child. And yeah. so it got a little tough with like the indec- indecision of yeah. graduating college, what are you gonna do? And he just right. couldn't even be the rock for me. Yeah. Like, what kind of man is that? And then I realized, oh my God, he's like 23, he's a child. Right. 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 <laughs> and I, I was also a child at right. 21. I know. I don't know. It is, it's so, like every time I meet someone who's that age who's going through a breakup, I just feel so much empathy for them yeah. because you're such a raw nerve, but you don't really, and I don't mean to sound condescending at all, because like I was that girl. But right. like you truly feel like you've like found the person. You're like, no, yeah. this is it. And like I'm an adult, and like I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. And but you just have no concept that like we live such long lives, and right. like you're you're not fully developed. Right. Um, I mean, I felt like I was fully developed then, but you're not. Like there's so much in flux. Like I changed so much from. Like, now I'm 32, and when I think about when I was 22, it's like... Who was that person? I mean, really. It feels like <laughs> another lifetime. It's so true. I wish I could go back to that girl, like, when yeah. she was 20, 21, meeting this guy and just tell her to have more fun. Because I dated him the last year of college, right? So I yeah. was just always, like, in the back of my head, like, what are we going to do? Like, what right. am I going to do? Like, what's next? What if I like, what is job? this? Like, you yeah. know? And I just wish I could have said, enjoy this man more. Because yeah. when it's over, it's really going to be over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I love that, like giving advice to your, you know, 21-year-old self. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I, I had a very similar experience where, I, I mean, I was with the same person like all four years in college. Oh and my now gosh, looking back, wow. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> what was I doing? Right? Like I should have just been like having fun. Oh, I know. You know? I know. It's because, well, I'll tell you, I, I did have some fun before this guy. <laughs> and I was like, man, there are a lot of toads out there. And then yeah. I met him and I was binge watching The Office like crazy. <laughs> and he was just like Jim. 
So I was ah, like, oh my god, like, my gym. Whoa, I manifested a gym. Yeah. And then like I made an office joke about this boat that we saw at South Street Seaport. And he's like, yeah, like a booze cruise. I was like, oh my god, like the office? You just made an office joke? I didn't even bring it up. Are we soulmates? Whoa. But I never saw him that way. So but what he called me that. He's oh. married now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like re- I, recently I, or? Recently married. This is why I advise you to, to not be Facebook friends with mutual friends. I was going to ask how you, you knew, that. like how you found out through social media. <laughs> I sound like such a stalker on this podcast. No. Um, well, we have two mutual, a few mutual friends still okay. on Facebook. And so, of I course, you it. see the updates. So I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Married. That's crazy. So did that make you um, think about auditing social media for all of your other exes, or are you still connected? Like, um, what is your what is your um, advice on social media and exes? You know what? I don't even know what advice to give. The good advice would be if you could be in a mental space to just like see them living and thriving and being okay yeah um because when i saw that he was married i was like oh that's good that makes sense yeah you know? good for him you know I was like, <laughs> that makes sense they you know he's moving he's moved on yeah it's been like 10 years yeah. like he should be like, <laughs> i know but, but I, sometimes it's still shocking it is i was like oh wow because you know um it's just that first love it's a milestone I think he, he had been with, like, other people before, but yeah. I know that this was one that really affected him because yeah. I never spoke to him again. Yeah. You know? And when we saw each other, like, a, a year or two later, yeah. he was a total mess. Wow. Right. And he was like, is your number still X, da, 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 da? Like, yeah. uh, I've been trying to message you, like, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was looking so good with another yeah. guy. This was IRL in real <laughs> life. But, yeah, I think it's – if you're still – I think you know when you want to hurt yourself when you're going looking at your exes when you've had a bad date yeah or you're not feeling so good about your prospects and when you start digging for info on your exes yeah I think it's maybe best to take a step back instead of impulsively doing that and be like why am I desiring this what am I really feeling and checking in with yourself because that's usually what that's a symptom of because you want to remember what it was like when you were so open and intimate with someone else. Yeah. And that's why you go looking for them. And maybe they're available and they've changed and yeah. this can work again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like scratching an itch. It's like yeah. you're just going to keep itching. Like mm-hmm. you really just, I think you really have to leave it alone for a while. Um, but that's, it's so hard. I mean, I think social media makes breakups uh, so much harder now. Oh, MG, than, yeah. Than ever before. They make yeah. it horrible. Like, yeah. for, and stories yeah. with like the zombies that are like still looking at your, st- you know, it's just yeah. there's so many layers of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't envy kids who are on Instagram when they're like in middle school and like have to live through all of the like early I like heartbreak stuff right. in real life and then also digitally. I also it's, think it's weird like if I was going to be in a serious relationship with someone and then you start sharing that on Instagram and yeah. then people notice when you've broken up with that totally. person. And yeah. That's so horrifying. Yeah. I feel like in a way if you are have like someone with a big following, you probably should post a breakup post if you've yeah. shared your relationship with a lot of people do. Years. Yeah. yeah. But a lot don't. Yeah. And you're like, that's what true. Happened? Yeah. yeah, it is. It's sort of like a press release. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, 
Allie Webb, the founder of the Dry Bar, mm-hmm. uh, recently did a breakup post oh. where because her um, her partner was actually like a business partner too, and so she did this like really lovely post and it was like really open and honest and um, and she was like you probably noticed that you know we're no longer together and yeah. I was just thinking about how bizarre that is like that that's like breakups in 2018, totally. um, but what was so nice about it was she like opened herself up and then. Um, you know, so many people, it's so relatable. Right. And so many people, you know, were supportive and, like, just, like, sending love. And because everyone's been there. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, can we, so fast forward a little bit from 21. So mm-hmm. you, you had that year where it was, like, really, really difficult. Yes. How did you kind of put yourself back together Um and what did your love life, like, how did it evolve from that point? Like, did that make you really scared to get into another relationship? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So the way I picked myself back up, I I have to be honest, it was really a tough process. Yeah. I mean, for six months, um, you know, first of all, I had just graduated college. I didn't have a job. I moved back in with my parents. It's mm. like all these things that just... really make you feel low about yourself, right? And then I had difficulty finding a job like in broadcast journalism too. So I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And I just remember my parents like after a few months they had a talk with me like, are you okay? Yeah, (laughs) it's like so many layers of heartbreak that you had to deal with at the same time. And I I feel like a lot of times, especially with immigrant parents, they don't get it. They're like, why? Get over it. I'm like, yeah, yeah it, get over it. Thanks. Right. That's so helpful. Right. I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. Like, if okay. you could do that, you would have done that already. Right. Like, it's I'm not choosing to be agonizing right. like this, you know, and be yeah. in so much pain. And so um, I think the way I picked myself up was when I started to say, like, hey, you just need to get your own life together. I started yeah. going back into the gym and actually going out with friends. As soon as I broke up with <clears> – or as we broke up, like, I – deep dived into heinous men you know what I mean like finding comfort with guys who I had known before and like tried to have things with or whatever and I had walked away from those guys and all of a sudden giving them another chance and then realizing like my god I feel lonelier when I'm with you than I do alone that's I'd rather just be alone right yeah I think there's a moment, especially in every breakup, especially your first one, where you realize, oh, man, I have to focus on myself and work on myself. Yeah. So I started doing that and then started getting different kinds of interviews in L.A. and then and in New York. And as soon as that started happening and I was, like, working out, those endorphins were going and feeling better about myself yeah. and really being open with my girlfriends, yeah. then things started to shift a little bit for me in terms of feeling confident again yeah. to go out there. Yeah, it's interesting um, that you mentioned, like you were, you had moved back in with your parents, but your parents weren't necessarily super supportive in that specific realm Mm -hmm. of like supporting you through a breakup. And I think that's a really common experience. Like there's so much stigma around heartbreak. And even though it is such a like physical and neurochemical experience, and it's like really, um, I mean, it's just like life altering for a lot of people. There are still so many people who dismiss it. Right. Like, oh, it's like a luxury that you can, like, be sad about um, a breakup or heartbreak and, like, just kind of, like, pick yourself back up and move forward. And so in those cases, I feel like it's so important to find support elsewhere. Right. And it sounds like 
your friends were helpful, which is really good. Friends, strangers on the street. I mean, like, literally those first few months of breakups, I was Charlotte and Sex in the City. or Not Charlotte, excuse me, Carrie and Sex in the City, where she would just talk everyone's ear off. And they were like, please, shut the F up. Like, you're so annoying. You need to see a therapist. And I was so against the idea of therapy that I was just talking to every rando until I just got it out of my system. And I wanted everyone on my side, you know? Whereas now I'm like, definitely if I go through a heartbreak again, like I have to go to therapy. Yeah, what was the change? Like what, yeah, what changed your relationship to therapy? Because that's also a really common thing. A lot of people, um, there's a lot of stigma around therapy Mm -hmm. and like getting professional help in that way. And like, depending on like what culture you come from and like what your means are, like therapy isn't like an easy solution for everyone. So no, what and it seems like a cop out. And yeah. it's or there's this weird stigma that it's yeah. like this luxury and this cop out, but yeah. it takes so much more guts and courage and perseverance yeah. to go to therapy yeah. le- to first like even go through all the hurdles right. to find a therapist when you have right. insurance. And right. then if you don't, it's so much money yeah. or you're going to like someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So um for me, it was like when a friend of mine said that she started going to therapy and I noticed an actual change in her behavior. Mm. So I went, okay, well, it's if like she, proof. yeah. So I yeah. said, she kind of lessened the stigma for me. Yeah. Cause I always was someone who was very like, oh, I'm so freaking strong. Like, yeah. you know, I don't cry. Right. Which is why like when that first breakup, like crying in public was, that's how painful it was. Cause yeah. I got in like a, in a car accident that almost totaled my entire car and did not cry once. Like wow. I'm someone I just didn't cry, right? Yeah. And uh, now I cry all the time. <laughs> it's like Cameron Diaz in The Holiday. Oh, my gosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she's, like, like, trying to cry like, in the come car. come on, come on. Like, you could ask my sister. She's like, because she was in the car. And she was just like, yeah, my sister never cries. And she actually saw it when I had that first breakup. Our, we were, um, she was there for a weekend or something and she could hear me crying through the walls wow and she came to like sleep near me and she was like I didn't realize you're hurting so much and I was like yeah you know like actually I didn't say anything I just kept crying yeah but for me therapy it was when I saw the change in my best friend yeah and I started going and it was mostly I spoke to this therapist about work stress which then as you go through that you realize all these relationships and your things that are triggering you are based on your foundational relationships and yada yada and so she helped me really get past this first love and being able to see his point of view and his perspective yeah and taking some ownership in the demise of the relationship whereas I feel like when we are so blindsided by a breakup it's like we're the victim like you know and I'm like actually I played a part in it of course you know totally like relationships are it's two people. Yeah. I mean, usually it's two people, depending on <laughs> the relationship you're in. Um, but it's always two people. Right. And I think sometimes we forget that. And we, um, I feel like you can learn so much from every relationship and from every breakup. Mm-hmm. And it's a real missed opportunity if you just, like, spend 100% of your energy, like, trying to figure out that person's side of the story. Because, right. like, you're never really ever going to know like you can't get inside their head but you can like use that breakup and that relationship to learn more about yourself and like work on yourself and um so when you kind of came out of it um what uh like what did your dating life look like and like how did that first experience of a relationship 
kind of shape your future love life? So after that first relationship, my second relationship was like two years later. And um, this the second man, who I actually am still friends with, was definitely someone who, he says, showed me how to love again. Aww. And he was more like, definitely like my best friend. Yeah. And a confidant. And we worked these crazy overnight hours together. Oh, wow. And we were just each other's person, you know? Yeah. Like, I helped him grow into this amazing man and vice versa, him for me. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that crazy, passionate love, like, yeah. as the first one. And... I think a part of me was always guarded about that. Mm. And he had said something like that too. Cause we were living in New York. My ex was in New York too. And he's like, just call him then. If you have something to say to him, like if you yeah. need your closure. I was like, never. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I think it, it scared me cause I didn't want to ever feel that intense heartbreak like that. Yeah. And, but as I say that I did, I feel like I really did open my whole self up to this man still, my second um, partner. Yeah. I, you know, we traveled together. He met my yeah. whole family, all these things. But it just, the I don't know if it's as you get older and then also like as you do it more than once. Yeah. When we broke up, it was definitely more of a mutual breakup because we just were living in different states. And it was yeah. just, you know, long distance and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's but hard. It was still hurt. Like I was still really hurt by the the breakup, yeah. but it wasn't that agonizing. Your body, yeah. you don't even know what's happening to your body. Breakup, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like they say. I mean, the song. I don't know if Cheryl Crow wrote it. I don't think she did. But the first <laughs> sure. cut is the deepest. Yeah, yeah. That she did. I don't. That is her song. And right? she With definitely Kimo? sang that song. But I don't know who wrote the song. But it's really, it is true. And I do feel like I think it's a combination of like not that it's less heartbreaking each time you go through it because like even the breakups I've gone through in the past couple of years like every breakup is hard yeah and it's like heartbreak is totally democratic like whether you've gone through like a hundred breakups or like one breakup but I do feel like you um because you've lived through it once like you are just more resilient like you know that you can do it because you've done it and like the first time it happens you truly don't think that you're going to get through it I did not yeah. Right? Yeah. And but now when you go through breakups, it's like, okay, you can remember where you were, you can remember like how long it took you, and you can remember that you like came out the other side. Right. And that's so important. It's also why it's so important, I think, to hear other people's stories. Yeah. So my therapist has said to me, you know, people come into your life for three reasons, like either a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Mm. I feel like a lot of people have probably heard that, but yeah. every time now that I de- I date these different men or maybe have some sort of serious relationship with them, yeah. I know that when it's over, I've learned something from them and yeah. that I've grown. Maybe yeah. you don't realize that initially, but I'm like, okay, these people were here to teach me something. Yeah. And if it's a little bit longer, it's like, okay, so it was for a season. And it's right. all getting me ready for what my optimistic self believes is for like that man who's gonna be for a lifetime, you know? Yeah. So do you believe in soulmates? So I used to have this like think feeling that a soulmate was just one person. Yeah. But I really believe that your soul is so um, just huge that you have many different kinds of soulmates, mm, right? Like yeah. all, I have have so many girlfriends who I feel like are my soulmates because they've touched my soul. Yeah. And then for men though, I don't know if I felt that with a man yet though. Yeah. Like the kind who's like, actually yes, my gay best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But in terms of that romantic love, yeah, I've had that earth-shattering love, but not like a soulmate. What about yeah. you? 
Well, it's interesting. My friend has this saying, um, because I used to believe in the concept of the one, Mm -hmm. but that's changed over time. Right. And she always describes it. She's like, I don't believe in the one. I believe in the few. That there are like a few different people that you'll have throughout your life um, that will really like, they'll feel like soulmates to you, but that it's not just one person. And I believe that fully. And I do believe... I was just in Japan for a friend's wedding, Mm -hmm. and um, he and I were talking, and I was asking him about the the concept of a soulmate in Japan and, like, if it exists. And he was like, well, the closest thing would be um, unme no ito, which means, like, destiny of man. Oh, nice. And I like that a lot more, that, like, it's not about finding this, like, one person that was, like, placed on the planet to, like, meet you. It's a lot of pressure. Right. (laughs) But that there is sort of, like, some sort of destiny that's guiding you to, like, meet the person that you need to meet at that point in your life. And and I very much believe that. And um, I like that it's more of a fluid definition because really, like, if you think about just, like, how long we're living and, I mean, truly, like, we have so much life ahead of us and um you know the idea of like just being with one person although I love it um like if you hang up your hat on that um I just think it's difficult because it's difficult to be in a relationship for like 20 years 40 years, 60 years. That's that, like, a lot of my grand, it's a It's a lot with the same person. And so, uh, yeah, my ideal is like finding that person. But I also like, um, I try to be more fluid about it. And because, you know, I want to live a long life. And it's okay, like. Okay, so you want a new partner every yeah, decade. No. This is what we're hearing, right? Yeah. Everyone in here? Yeah. Right? <laughs> every, de- every decade. Um, no, but like my grandparents have been together for like 75 years and um there's this quote that I really love I think it's from David Brooks so he was like marriage is like a lifelong conversation and like have you found the person that you want to have that conversation with and I think for some people they do have that conversation with the same person like my grandparents and they are truly like they really love each other they're so cute and like inseparable and like totally dependent in like a beautiful way um but for some people, it's like multiple people. They have multiple right. conversations, yeah. you know? And, um, and so I think it just, yeah, I think I it think, just depends. I think it's also because we keep growing up or we're in this time where yeah. we feel like we just want to keep evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. And when you don't fit with me this certain way, then it's like a skin I just shed you. You know right. what I mean? I know. Whereas like people, our grandparents, maybe yeah. even our parents, where it's like, oh no. We're together. Yeah. This is it. I made a vow. Yeah. I know what a promise means. <laughs> right. Like, you know? Yeah. And then, um, so I was raised around that kind of environment. Yeah. And it's conflicting with like these American ideologies where I'm like, actually, I don't know. Actually, you know, let me yeah. just sh- like shake you off because you're not growing with me, yada, yada. And right. It's all about like self-perseverance. I'm just trying to like reconcile all these different ide- ideals I have in me, you know? Yeah. There's this concept now with marriage. Um, they're calling it like the last step marriage. Like marriage used to be sort of a rite of passage where you would like choose the person and then you would build a life together. Right. And now it's like, no, I'm going to like build my life. And then sort of as, like, the trophy at the yeah. end of it, then I'm going to, like, find the person who's going to, like, fit into that life. That's true. Yeah. And, I mean, average 
you know, marriage age is going way up. And way like, up. yeah, in a lot of European countries, it's like in like mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty young here. It's, yeah. um, it's, um, I, you know, I'm from, I was born in Queens, raised in LA, but then went to school in New York. Yeah. And no one's married there until they're like uh, late 30s, maybe yeah. early 40s. And when I was living in the South, everyone in that newsroom was yeah. married at like 23, 25. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wow, what the F? Yeah. And so I'm from Spring, Texas. So oh, I totally, okay, so you get it. Yeah. Like my <laughs> friends have been married for like uh, over a decade and have like kids, like multiple right? kids. Yeah. So they don't even consider, do they still consider you a Texan? Um, They're like, you're a yeah, Cali girl now, right? Oh, I don't, gee. I don't think they know what to, what to consider me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is so different depending on where you, where you grow up. Um, what about like in the last like year or two, like what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've had to learn about love and relationships? So it's really interesting. Like I, for after that breakup, then I had another relationship that lasted a year. And then after that, I was living in like so many different cities that I didn't have really time to date. I was in Greensboro, North Carolina for three years. And I dated like one guy for six months, but then it was on the tail end of that. So again, the questions of like, well, what are we gonna do? He was way more serious. Like he wanted a family and all this stuff. And I'm like, well shoot, like what about my career? Right. That means you want me to only be in one city. Like, I don't know, My, my job takes me anywhere. Then I lived in Cleveland for a year and a half. Who am I finding there? Nobody. (laughs) And then I lived in Tampa for 11 months. Who's over there? Worse than Cleveland. And so, and then I came back to LA in January. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to be This January? Yeah, just this January. Welcome back. Thank you. I was like, I'm going to be around like-minded people. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. And I started meeting like all these different creatives, right? Because yeah. now I've pivoted from being an, a journalist news anchor to writer, screenwriter, yeah. and um, showrunner type thing. Yeah. And I just met all these creatives and Asian American guys, and I was like, oh wow, look at all these like men of color looking so good, all yeah. this stuff. But I realized it doesn't matter what race you are. If you're like in a creative, you're maybe a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, I remember meeting this one guy who was like older than me and I just thought, whoa, we get along. This is gonna be my man. Like we're gonna have this beautiful life. Like he's so visionary and like all these amazing things. And like we can talk about movies and like deconstruct all like representation and media. I was like, wow, we're really getting along. And then it turns out like we're on a date and at a dinner after being, after like, you know, kissing and he goes, "Um, yeah, I'm a sociopath. I was like, (gasps) oh my God, you tricked me. As sociopaths tend to do. So I just feel like a part of me was really open to meeting guys. And so like that happened. And then, and then I met another guy where I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is the guy. Like he's this producer and you know, he had this amazing office and all like a big, similar like this kind of space. And it turned out that this man was a total con artist. (gasps) Yeah, like faking all these things that he said. Where are you meeting these guys? I know, now actually it kind of sounds like it's my my fault. Like I'm like, oh my God, it definitely. No, 
but I'm just curious. Like, is there a specific dating app we should avoid? Or? So I maybe I need to get on the apps because I'm not meeting these guys oh. via apps. I'm meeting them in real life, and I try to be really old school about it by not googling people as soon as I meet them. Like I want to. Oh. I know I sound, I sound so stupid now that I say it. It's like I want to discover you. No, I get it in person. Yeah, and so the most I'll do is like look at your Instagram. Yeah. So that ne- um, the second guy who turned out to be a total scam artist is you know he was recommended to me from a friend yeah my friend was like oh a mutual friend was like oh you're developing a show this guy says he does stuff for netflix and yada 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 and then he said like this big celebrity who writes jokes for him and then when i follow like followed him on instagram that celebrity was following him like it all panned out and he had like an office like this so you think like the optics right are like oh my god sure i believe you and he had producers working for him, so I was like, oh, it must be legit. Just total con artist. Wow. Total con, and one Google search would have shown, like, he had all of these reports on him of, like, be, of people being scammed. Wow. Yeah, so my lesson was, and is, is, like, I'm always Googling people as soon as I, like, meet them. Yeah. And then, um, I know this is, like, not happy stories, but I just feel like dating is really tough. Yeah. But I feel like I keep putting myself out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I mean, <laughs> that's not hopeful. But these are maybe like horror stories. No, it is hopeful though, like that you do keep putting yourself out there. And um it's so interesting that like you had all of those experiences from meeting people in real life because I feel like usually yeah. that's usually that's the fear of dating digitally like whether it's through an app or a website or whatever, the worry is like you're going to get catfished or like who is this person? And, um, but I think it just goes to show that like you do have to be careful no matter like where, like how you're meeting the person. And I think it is also a really good case for dating apps. I know we were talking a little bit before, but in a lot of ways I feel like being able to, kind of target your search a little bit more mm. is such a luxury of being like in a, in the modern world. Right. Whereas like before it was just kind of like who you ran into or like, um, you know, who lived like around you or like who was in your coffee shop and like, who's to say that that person is compatible for you or right. that they're like not a con artist or whatever, you know? Totally. Um, right. Whereas like dating apps, I feel like you can filter a little bit more. Like usually there's like, you know, you can just glean more about their personality. Right. So. I guess for me, because a lot of my girlfriends yeah. don't have a lot of success on the apps. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I was like, oh, okay, well, let me just try this IRL. And yeah. It's also not working. <laughs> so I think I have to figure out a different way. Because I see for me, when I met those guys in real life, it just was happenstance. Yeah. Whereas if I go on an app, then I'm like, I really want to date. Yeah. Because I'm making a concerted effort. Yeah. It's very and intentional. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I do feel like is really important when it comes to dating versus just like bumping into someone. As nice as that sounds. Right. Everyone wants the ideal meet cute, yeah. right? Everyone's like, oh, I want that. Right. But it is, it, it's hard. And so I feel like you have to like, you have to help the universe, <laughs> you know? And like, I, I do, that's sort of my view on on dating apps and truly like the last few people that I've dated have been through that and I've met a lot of really great people and I think you just go through waves 
when it comes to dating. It's like, it can feel like a roller coaster. And I feel like, you know, there are some moments when you're just meeting person after person and it's just like, doesn't work and it's not right. And I think that's a good time to kind of like take a step back and, and then you get like back in the game and you've kind of built up your reserves. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Especially in a big city. It's like, cause it can be really exhausting. Yes. Um, so I'm curious about like switching gears a little bit um, because you have gone through a career transition. Yes. Um, and I imagine it's affected your lifestyle a lot and like changed your lifestyle. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you practice self-care and like how you took care of yourself through that transition and like what your self-care practices are like on a day-to-day basis now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you are like switching careers, yeah, it is really intense. Yeah. And especially if you feel like a lot of your self-worth is tied to this job that you once had, right? Yeah. And so did you feel heartbroken at all? Like, was there I an did. element of that? I felt like, oh, this is like the breakup where you have. You're like, thank God. Oh, okay. I'm free. You're like you liberated. <laughs> yes, and it was three years in the making. Wow. You know, like I had not been happy for a long, long time, and I was like, how do I get out of this thing? You know. Wow. Uh, or is this supposed to be my life? Right. I thought, you know, if my parents could endure jobs that they weren't their dreams, why can't you? It's a successful job. You're getting paid well. All these things. Right. Um. And then I realized, no, your parents did that so you'd have a choice. Yeah. And so leaving that actually was really good because I was so depressed. Yeah. I had like intense and I had an anxiety disorder. Like it was a lot, right? And so just being able to be out of that space where you're just like so censored and sterilized and by the way, ridiculously sleep deprived. I was getting to work at like 2 a.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so just being out of that space was really healing in general. I went to a yoga retreat. I went to like, I I love going to yoga vegan retreats where you can just like meditate and process and be completely disconnected, silent and still. Yeah. Like I love those things. I've, my um, guru or my spiritual thought leader, his name is Panache Desai. Like, I love listening to him. He's helped me like when I'm feeling really, really low. Yeah. Um, just see back again like my light. Yeah. So I made. Um, so for me, I really do like to spend the time to meditate. Yeah. I feel like my days are better when I do start off with that. When did you first learn? Like, when did you first discover meditation? Has that always been something it's that you practice? It's not always been a thing for me. Okay. I think I started. I always thought meditation was a joke. You know, yeah. it's like and a oh lot my of people God. do. Yeah. yeah, it's a joke. It's so hard. Like, how do you just sit still with yourself? So I kept trying it. I was so resistant to it. And it wasn't yeah. until last October when I went on this spiritual retreat in yeah. Costa Rica. And I was near and that's where I met my spiritual thought leader, mm. um, Panache Desai, that I was like, oh, my God, like, I think I'm going to incorporate this into my life because yeah. I felt transformational breathing and all this stuff. Have a change in me. Yeah. Because during that retreat is when I realized, like, I can quit my job. It's okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And during, like, that meditation, I was able to, like, think of ways to, I was able to see myself differently and envision a future and plans to get there. Whereas usually, if when you're sitting still, like, it's just a cluttered mess of your thoughts. 
So I was able to find clarity. So I kept trying to practice that. And every day until I was able to get out of my contract, I was doing like intense meditation, like wow. one hour in the parking lot before going to work. Amazing. Like, it was like really intense. Like <laughs> I just needed all of this prep to get into that space, which yeah. shows you how toxic it was for me. Yeah. And it's really hard to let go, even mm-hmm. when like for a lot of people looking at sort of where you were, they would say like, oh, well, that's like a dream job. Yeah. But I think there's a huge difference. And um, I was just talking to someone about this who went through a similar experience. There's a really big difference between like a dream job and your dream job. 100%. Right? But it's so hard to let go when it is considered like, you know, something that people would like kill for. I know. It yeah. really was. like, And especially if on paper I was like so successful. Yeah. Like I won two Emmys. I was, yeah. it was my show. Right. Or whatever. But just behind the scenes, like, you don't know what's going on. Right. And it's like. And I feel like, like that's a, a good reminder to people that like right. you can look at other people's lives and you don't always know like how they're really feeling about it. Exactly. Which is why comparison is so. It is the worst. Yeah, it's so like, hard. Sometimes I have to throw my phone. Like even yeah. all of the, th- the ways I practice self-care, which is through meditation. And then a lot of times yeah. like I'll try to escape to a Korean spa where it's really cheap Ooh. entry, you know, like $15, yeah. $20. Like spa. Yeah. And my then favorite. just like go there the whole day because yeah. you have to be quiet and unplugged and disconnected. Because I feel like when I'm disconnected, I can connect with myself. Yeah. You know, and just yeah, yeah, yeah. give my time, give myself the time to journal and all of these things. And that's when I become clear and can remind myself of who I am. Right. And you can actually hear like the inner voice that's yes. probably always there. But I feel like it gets very muted when you're right. just like going through the motions of your daily life. Right. It is really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of I mean, we all deal with that. Like we all have these like little computers that we're like they're super addicted to so addicted and we're so addicted to them and like you know when you get a notification like you get distracted by it and, oh i know um I, know. I don't sleep with a phone in my room anymore that's good so i'm that's the same good. way i think that's so important because when i used to wake up i'd be like where what's like what's going on it's like checking instagram i'm like oh get off of that yeah i have a tech-free bedroom Okay, which good. I like really recommend wow. to anyone who wakes up feeling anxious. But, um, but yeah, I think it is like we're so programmed to just like have our phones with us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like you've read, you've made a really like mindful effort to create yes. space for yourself, which is so important. And it's like it's so important when you're going through a career transition. Um, it's so important like after a breakup. Yes. Um, I mean, it's really it's hard to remember to do that when you're not at like uh, when you're not pushed up against the wall because it's like oh I'm doing well and like you know the whole like maintenance issue where you you don't really think about it but if you can make an effort to create space for yourself whether it's through meditation or like breathing or whatever even when things are going well I think that's really it's it's good it's like Mm -hmm. taking a vitamin Versus, like, waiting until everything breaks and there are, like, no wheels and you, like, Right, right? Like, that's exactly the thing. Like, as I think about my life a lot. (laughs) That sounds weird. But I do, like, I think of, like, what it would be like when I meet my partner. Yeah. And, like, how I would compromise certain things or how that would flow. And I'm like, yeah, the self-care has to stay. It's like, how could you implement that with someone else, you know? Right. Yeah, How how can you still have some sort of balance and space for yourself Mm -hmm. um while still like 
being in a relationship with someone else. Yeah. And that's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of, I have a couple of like rapid fire questions, Ooh. but I have one last question that yes. I want to ask you. Yes, um, just about the relationship that you have with yourself. And this could be, um, this could be like relationship related or work related or whatever it is. But what is one thing that you have had to learn to love about yourself mm. that maybe didn't come so easy? Or maybe you used, you used to not like it about yourself, but now you like it about yourself. Like, is there one thing about your personality or like the way you behave that you have really learned to admire about yourself? So for my whole life, I think a lot of, or at least definitely for my whole career, I've always been told like I'm too loud and brash and aggressive and um, outspoken. Mm. And I always thought that was weird I, that I was told to temper those personality traits that I didn't think I would be told if I was a different gender or a different, you know what I mean? And yeah. so the more, like, as I get older, and I feel like a lot of times that co incessant um, tempering and being told to stop those traits has made me want to, like, defer to men a lot, mm, like, when yeah. I'm in the room, and I'm, but I'm the boss, right? Yeah. But I'm like, oh, but let me what do you think like what do you right. what do you want to do right. what are we going to do and I'm like yeah. but they're looking to me for the answers and I'm looking I'm like what what right. so I think a lot of the times like something that I didn't wasn't sure was a quality that was a good one was that strength yeah and now I I, I can step back and say like well I'm really proud of myself that I'm so strong yeah. and that I can um you know be held accountable in a room and take charge and actually have courage. Yeah. I think it's like strength and courage. Like I never thought that I would be someone who would be able to leave that job. Yeah. And I did. And then to have the courage to actually do the thing that I've said I've always wanted to do, right? Which yeah. is write a show and create a show and so and then now I'm doing that. Yeah. And it's just like I'm learning so many different things along the way and having to learn them fast. Yeah. But I think that courage and that tenacity is something that I didn't realize was maybe good and was told was kind of annoying. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, no, it's something that I'm the most proud of. And I feel like that is uniquely me. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing how it's different for everyone. Like we're all told to not be like X, Y, and Z. Right. And like ultimately it comes down to like we're always told in some way and it could be like, in small ways or big ways, not to be ourselves. Yeah. And it's so sad because it's like only you can be yourself. Um, and so I think that's a really, that's a really amazing lesson that you have like embraced that. And, um, and I mean, it's carried you through so many things now. Yes. And like you've, you're so resilient and you've like managed a major transition and like so many moves and, I know, like right? heartbreaks yeah, and all of, those, of it, yeah, yeah. Um, because of those qualities about yourself. So I'm glad that you've learned to love that about yourself. <laughs> Thanks, girl. Um, all right, <clears throat> some rapid fire. Do you have one breakup vice? Oh, the uh, breakup vice. OMG, I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you had to choose a favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would say it's um, Hagen Dazs Dulce de Leche. Oh my god, and it's like so bad. I'm like eating pints like in one serving. First of all, a pint is so small. By the way, yeah. I don't know how people siphon those off, it's like ration them out. 
But it's a single serving. And I think it's like rom-coms conditioned us to think like we have to get fat right away as soon as we have like a breakup, like the comfort yeah. is in the food. So I don't know how to like change that in my thinking. No, but, but as soon as I'm feeling bad, I'm like, I've gone to the store and I'm getting ice cream. It's a it's a real thing. And it's the combination of the fat and the sugar that totally. like releases all the chemicals in your brain that right. make you feel like like a, a fraction of how you felt around your ex. Yes. It's a real thing. Totally. But there's a huge crash after, which is the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I, I pass out and yeah. then I'm like, don't feel the crash. But to be honest with you, every heartbreak I've ever had, like whether it's like feeling depressed when I was lonely at these new cities yeah. or like totally heartbroken, I always go, it's not a vice, it's like my go-to support, the yeah. office. Like oh, I start yeah. watching the office like it has gotten me through every low point in my yeah. life, like every move, every heartbreak, every change. I always watch The Office and it makes me feel better and it's calorie free. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I love that. It's yeah. like a comforting thing for you. It totally is. Seasons two through seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like watching when Michael leaves and the show's ending. That's Then I get even more sad. So I just like start over like two through seven. You know? Very specific. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, what about, I think I have an idea of what you're going to say, but Ooh. what is your favorite self-care ritual? My favorite self-care ritual? I honestly, I love getting that skin soft at that Korean spa and just scrubbing down. I, I watched the old Asian ladies do it. I was like, I'm going to do yeah. that. I was like, I bought a loofah. I was like, I'm copying you. I'm a huge <laughs> believer in going to the Korean spa after. Yes. Like, I go quarterly, good. and I feel like it's just a good way to shed and totally. to like let go and start fresh yes. and um like anytime anyone that I know is going through a breakup I'm like you need to go get scrubbed yes. and I realized it was a recommendation that one of my friends gave me oh, really? like years ago and I just kind of like held on to it and this was before I even lived in LA so I didn't even I hadn't even been to a Korean spa and didn't right. know what the experience was like and I was like really like getting scrubbed like how can that help you? And then you're on that table, Feels like so butt naked. Totally. And there's like a woman in a shower cap yeah. scrubbing you with like a Brillo pad. It hurts so good, <laughs> right? And you're like, I get it. Right. Okay. It's something to think about. It's like being naked. Yeah. And just getting Truly this, vulnerable. Yes. And then in front of other ladies too. And yeah. just getting this dead layer of skin off of you. Sloughed it off. is really, it just yeah. changes you. It feels good. It really is transformational. Yes. Highly recommend. Do it and go to the one where you have to be naked. Yeah. Like I get so mad when girls are trying to wear their bathing suits. No. I, I'm like, I report Can't them. wear your bathing suit. I go, suit. excuse me, you cannot be wearing a bathing suit in here. You better be naked like me. Like everyone else. <laughs> I know. Totally. It, there is something really nice about just like being in the company of other women. Yes. Um, totally naked but not talking to yeah, each other. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just like... It's, um, I always feel so human when I'm yes. in, in like the wee spa. Yeah. Just like, wow, we're all just like animals. Right. I just hope to God that I don't run into anyone I know. I know. Then I will die. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the worst is like when you spot someone like, I was like I'm shuffling down the hallway. Over. Yeah. You like hide behind the lockers. Um, all right. And then I have, this is a two part question. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Do you have a favorite date spot in LA? And then do you have a favorite date spot in New York? Ooh, okay. Or oh it doesn't God. have to be a specific spot, but like an activity. I used to say I like to go hiking on the most basic Whoa. date idea, Runyon Canyon. Because when I was in high school, nope, 
college, a guy took me to Runyon Canyon for the first time. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, let's do this. I was like, this is so cool. And then we had pizza on sunset after, and it was so romantic. Oh, so cute. As I got older, I was like, man, Runyon sucks. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> it's very busy. It's so busy. Yeah. It's so lame. I'm like, yeah. okay. So I think for L.A., like a first date, I do like the idea of anywhere where you can go where you can just walk. Yeah. And observe something, right? So that would be really hard to do. So maybe yeah. like going to LACMA or even maybe LACMA, then walking to the Grove and eating there. Yeah. And then just because I feel like in New York, same answer. Being like with my first love, the reason how we were cemented in love <laughs> what? Yeah. was uh, we walked from the Lower East Side the first time we met all the way to South Street Seaport. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because that's where he lived. And we wow. were just, I was like, oh, I'll drop you off. I'm a gentleman. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> this was late at night, by the way. And then so, um, <laughs> so in that walk of like a mile and a half or whatever, yeah. I feel like, wow, we really like cemented how much we liked each other. And like yeah. you get, when you're not looking at someone so, lamely like at a dinner table and you're walking and like observing yeah you can really just be let your guard down totally so i feel like those kind of date nights that you're um or that's my ideal date something that's yeah. like kind of an experience versus someone who would say like let's go to catch and let's do it like this I'm right like, Ugh, that's so lame you it's know? very like Steve Jobs of you because he oh, likes to do his meetings walking. Like oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. sure there's like something with your brain too that makes that better. It's totally true. Yeah. Um, so last question, because we are kind of nearing the end of the year, mm -hmm. like we're almost in December. Totally. What are you most looking forward to like in the next year ahead? Oh, that's such a great question. I feel like for me, 2018 was such a building year. Yeah. You know, I started off this year having left a job. Then yeah. I went in the whole month of February to the Philippines, a yoga, another yoga retreat. <gasps> and then, thanks. And then in March, started this journey towards creating a show. So yeah. coming out at the end of January is this show that I did. Like, I can't believe I... I wanted to do it and I really did it. It's wow. a situational workplace comedy about women of color <gasps> and how they navigate all the isms of a modern office. <gasps> Sexism, racism, sexual harassment. I see some cheering. Oh, this yes. This is in the amazing. Room. Yeah, and it's like, it's so effing good. It's so funny. It's, and it's like your version of The Office. Yes. I <laughs> love like that. The Office meets kind of like the Mindy Project and Insecure. Yeah. All, and then, um, it's the first ever scripted narrative for Insta Story. <gasps> so it's really different. Yeah. Because it's a show that so you're innovative. watching native to how you watch your, hold your phone. Wow. And go through your feed, uh, not really your feed, your stories, and you yeah. can interact with the show. Whoa. You know? And, That's amazing. And vote on things. And it's completely um, formatted in the way for which you watch stories. Incredible. Yeah. So that's Do you a have project. like a launch date? End of January. End of January. Or early February. Or early February. Okay. <laughs> and then I just really wanted to, I want to make something that people find comfort in and people feel seen and their like their voices are heard. Yeah. And my ultimate dream of dreams is to create something like The Office for my whole 20s, like my whole uh, grown up life. Yeah. I have, that show has been there for me through every change yeah. of my life. From my first heartbreak to all those different cities where I moved and felt so alone. Yeah. All these different things. And like, 
those people, those people who created the show, Greg Daniels, all the actors, like they don't even know that yeah. in all those times where I felt like I had no friends, like they were my friends. Yeah. You know? And so that would be my dream to create something like that. And we're at this time when representation, like everyone's talking about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a show that isn't just like one ethnic group story, right? Yeah. It's like all these different perspectives. You have an Asian American, an Afro Latina, an intersex Latinx. People don't even know what intersex means. Oh, and like all these different perspectives coming together. And it's, you get to see like how they all navigate a modern office, which even in this post Me Too time and all these kind of things, it's still messed up. It's still so messed up. Totally. Yeah, there's still so much room for growth. Like even in even in my industry, we were just talking about it this morning. Like the report came out that only um, like 2.2% of venture capital funding went to female founders. Oof. And it's like the same that it was like year over year. Wow. And so like there's just still so much that you have to um, – you just have to be really mindful of it and aware of it that yeah. like yes there's so much conversation about it but you still have to push so hard yes and i think it's the same in entertainment and that's yeah. why like i'm so excited to hear about Thanks. your show and i can't wait to watch it and oh my god yes i hope you're gonna take some time off in december oh <laughs> i know so it's, you, <laughs> you've probably been working really hard this year right it's such um, a weird thing when you're an entrepreneur you know this yeah. where it's kind of like you're ramping up so effing hard for this yeah. project then you're it's always done. ramping up yeah. yeah then it's done and then i'm like what do i do now for like two weeks i was like what is it what am i doing it's yeah. like oh now it's the marketing and the post-production push yeah. so i'm like there's oh, always OMG. another milestone right and then after it comes out it's like then and it's the second surge of like getting it out there even more. Yeah. And then who knows what happens, right? Yeah. And then what do you do next? I don't know if you know. Like, yeah. you know, so it's a lot of different things. Well, congratulations on just like getting the project together and Thank you. bringing it to life because that's such a huge accomplishment. And um, we can't wait to watch it. Ah, I can't wait for you yeah. all to watch it. I hope everyone likes it. Yeah. Or it starts a conversation. If, even if they don't like it, tell me why. It sounds amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This has been so fun. Yeah, so fun. Um, so much good advice and wisdom, and um, thank you for your honesty. And Yes, ladies, open. fellas, if you're listening, the number one advice, you're going to get through this heartbreak. It's going to be tough. If you wake up in night sweats, it's okay. It's happened <laughs> to all of us. And two, in this modern effing age, you better Google that person as soon as you walk away yes. because... You don't want to be with a con artist, okay? Yeah. Or a sociopath. We're pro-Googling pre-Dave. <laughs> yes, pro-pro-pro-Googling. Pro, yeah. <laughs> and I just noticed you're wearing heart earrings, which I I love. did that for you. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. You're we'll welcome. be sure to get pictures. Yes. Thanks to Jackie for stopping by Mend HQ. We'll be on the lookout for the new series she's been working on called Ghost Writers. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Jackie Fern. And we've got more great episodes of On the Mend coming to you soon, so be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes and tell your friends. You can follow Mend at Let's Mend on Instagram, and you can follow me for more behind-the-scenes Mend updates at Ellen Huerta.